Hey, this is Stephen Kellogg on Stale Bubblegum, and I'm a Yankees fan. Hello, everybody in TV Wonderland, as my old friend Jimmy Superfly Snooker used to say, even though we are on a podcast. Um, Today is a very special episode of Stale Bubblegum. Um, You know him, you love him. You've listened to him, hopefully, way too much. Um, <laughs> he is a storyteller, a musician, an author. His family makes his merch. I love that about him. Anyway, Stephen Kellogg, welcome to the show. How you doing, John? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Um, it's been a bit. Um, how's the tour going? You're on the road. It's going well. We're uh, we're two weeks in, four to go, um, and uh, you know I, I I have this routine with my wife where the first couple of days I, I it's I feel so out of sorts and I think I don't know if I can do this anymore. And after twenty two years of this, she said to me this time, "Listen, let's." Uh, if you feel this way in a week, call me. But in the meantime, can we take can we not do this song and dog and pony show where you uh so it takes about a week and then you get your road legs and then you know then you could go forever, kinda, you know. And you're on tour with Matt. So talk to me about the rapport that you guys have together. Matt Nathanson and I met uh probably in 2001, 2002. We were played a couple college shows together. And since then, we've crossed paths in in Europe, and you know, at, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions, we both happen to be sitting next to each other. Uh, you know, like it's it's he's when you read about the history of friendships that endured, you know, Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings, and you know, uh, Tom Petty and Bob Dylan. You know, obviously those are they're mega, but I feel with Matt that we have this same thing of running into each other and crossing paths throughout the course of our career. And it really, it's nice to pay witness to someone else's career and have them pay witness to yours, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you had said that it takes a little while to get used to the road and everything. And, and before I click record on ye old Zoom, we were talking about, you know, being home during COVID and all that. Um, is it especially um, nice to be on the road? Is it especially uh, difficult to kind of get back into the swing of things? I know we, you know, you you probably did dates last year, but like, I'm just curious about, you know, full-fledged tour. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the crazy thing is you and I both had kind of forgotten that we had a conversation during that time. That's how much of a mind blur that whole experience of suddenly being home and grinding to a halt was. Um, And I got on the road probably again, a little earlier than a lot of people. Um, My, uh, we, we kept, we booked tours and then these variants would come up and I'm like saying to my wife, I don't know if I should go out. And she's like, you'll be fine. Get, go ahead. Just get out of the house, you know? So we kind of went out and did uh, a lot. And I think it's, I think it's, I think the harder aspect is, has more to do with just getting older and not wanting to be on the road 
for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time as much more more than anything covid related or whatever you know i think it's just i think you just like everybody you just want a balance as you get older that um allows for a little bit more um i don't know sleep <laughs> <laughs> i want to talk about keep it up kid uh your most recent release but i feel like we might lose the baseball audience yeah so we got to get into baseball here we, buddy. so so let's let's get into baseball a little bit um who do you root for uh how important is baseball to your life or how important was it growing up? Uh, just give me the lowdown. All right. So baseball was so traumatic to me growing up. My dad was a great baseball player. He played, uh, he played like was an all state up in Massachusetts and he worked with me so much. And I had one year of little league. I got two, two singles were my only hits both against this, pal team that was the worst in the league and my dad took pictures of me on every base but it was like the whole team was just and I only got one um and he worked with me a lot it just was it wasn't happening and I'm totally afraid of the ball and the coach would be like don't be afraid of it but you get hit once in the chest with a yeah, that's it. baseball and you're like no I'm afraid of it it hurts like <laughs> I don't want to do that again so um I know if you if you were if you were thinking we might lose the baseball people now it's a guarantee they're like this guy so I mean baseball was basically just a traumatic thing for me we rooted for the Yankees in the kind of Dave Winfield Ricky Henderson Don Mattingly era you know I I would go to see the Yankees um now I just sort I just enjoy baseball now I mean I will root for the Yankees I'm 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 uh happy to watch any game and and I usually like to pull for the underdog mm. uh but I know the Yankees aren't I was going to say exactly underdogs but, say, that's not the Yankees <laughs> I know I know so uh but it, but if I'm watching two baseball teams that I don't have a you know that aren't the Yankees um I'm going to go for whoever's less likely to win that's always kind of my uh, thing and I, and I just the last thing I'll say is I did just watch that documentary on Nolan Ryan and I thought it was awesome. That have you seen that one? Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, it was really good. It was fun. I mean, you know, I I appreciate what the sport means to uh, to many, and I think it's cool that you started this podcast. I don't, as you said, when you said you want to come on my baseball podcast, I was like, me? You sure? <laughs> you sure, John? You wanted to go here? But yeah. There is a thing about baseball that that's just for me, if it's on, I watch it. I don't care who's, you know, I grew up a Met fan. Um, I'm Were also, you good at baseball? Did you play? Were you good? So, so I, I played, I wouldn't say, I mean, I grew up a little fat kid in Yonkers. So like I, I would say that I could hit, I couldn't feel to save my life. Like I was like the song right field. Uh, I would, I would just like hope the ball wouldn't come to me. Um, yeah. But kind of similar to like what you were saying, like in Little League, there's something different between like, like my dad would take me every week and we would play baseball and it was great. Like, um, I don't know if he was letting me win or whatever, but there's something different when you're playing Little League. It, it's just the nerves and everything. Obviously, you don't get diagnosed with anxiety back in the 80s, uh, right. but I'm sure that's what was going on. And that, you know yeah. what? It's funny you say two singles because I think I had two singles for the entire little <laughs> fifth grade little league, 
And I remember at the end of the season, the coach, we're definitely losing listeners right now. The coach like took everyone. He's like, all right, this is your batting average for the year, right? Like, you know, for the season. Oh God. And I had like 0.056 or something. (laughs) And I was like, ah, but I was just so happy. I hit the ball. Oh, it felt good to get that hit, you know, and I would dream about it. I love to put on the uniform. I'll tell you too, the stirrups and the whole bit. Like I was like, like, I'd like go out and make believe, you know, but playing the game itself. And of course, if you're not good, you know, nobody likes you. Like, and it's not a, people are mad at you. And it's, uh, I've had to work hard with my own kids to not, saddle them with all my baggage when they play sports like my my wife's like hey they're gonna they're just having fun and i'm like it's not fun if you're not good you know and uh yeah but that's my trip you know and i try not to lay it on them i'm like if you can have fun being bad good for you the times maybe have changed but back in the day everybody looked at me like they wanted to kill me every time i struck out which was most of the time well, and you know what? Like with baseball, I think more so than any other sport, you go to hero to goat pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like so quickly. You can get, you know, go ahead single, you know, uh, go ahead RBI single, and then the next inning make an error, and you're, yeah. you know, forget it. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. No. Um, so there's two people talking right now, and only one of us has performed numerous times the national anthem at – at big league stadium. So uh, one described the feeling of, of doing that and the experience, which is just freaking amazing, but also just like the nerves, maybe the first time you did it, where was it, how it came about? Yeah. Um, so the first one was uh, maybe 15 years ago at Fenway and uh, it was a Red Sox Mets game. Uh, and the, the person who booked it was a fan of my music and said, would you uh, and the band like to do the anthem? So we did. Um, and I remember, you know, it was a big deal to a lot of our friends and family. So we part of the deal was you could invite like 15 people. So we we had my grandmother there, my sister and. I remember the one strict thing was like everybody has to stand against the wall and I see my older sister about 30 seconds before we start she's like walking across the field I am like <gasps> it was horrified and then it's like go and you have to sing and it's it's so that was a lesson just like you know these days if people want to go i'm like great i'll see you after you're not coming on the (laughs) field with me i don't need that stress because it is a very hard song to sing you know it's a it's you you have to start low to get high if you're not uh whitney houston you know a lot of of us and me especially you have a limited range you're dealing with it's a very tricky song to sing and the words they're beautiful but they they don't like necessarily follow a logical story a trajectory so you can get lost quite easily in it you know and it's not a lack of patriotism or rehearsing but it's like it's one of those songs i i always get a little panicky when i'm gonna do because it's i just i've never forgotten it but uh, you know you just like things could get dicey um 
So that first time doing it, we had all those things in play, plus the echo that you experience down on the field is is pretty otherworldly. I mean, you're you're really have to just kind of keep your own counsel while you're singing and try to. So that first time, it wasn't about emotion. It was just getting through the song and like not embarrassing yourself, you know, and um, after that, we did it for the San Diego Padres and they were great. They said, can you come back again tomorrow night and do it? And I mean, we and, and it's always fun to go to the game and to have hot dogs and stuff. And then the Chicago White Sox really roll it out. They make you jerseys. Uh, Get out of here. We, we did a little, we did the anthem and then we did a concert, um, like a three song acoustic set uh, uh, that we did at, either right after the game or right before. So I've done the White Sox a few times. Um, we did City Field, we did the Mets, uh, which was a big deal, especially for Boots, who I played with for ages just to play for you know his favorite team and um uh you know and the one other part of that uh i don't want to belabor the point i i I do you know as it's gone on i am more relaxed but there's still that those things that i talked about um and the last time i went to white Sox, they said i said you want us to do the anthem and they said no we'd actually like you to throw the first pitch out so out of here i threw the first pitch out and i was like looking for little league redemption here, you know? <laughs> so I practiced throwing it the whole bit and uh, you throw it from the mound. So it's, it's a ways. And the second it left my hand, I knew I underthrew it. I just, I, I just, it like leaves my hand and I'm like, Oh hell no. Well, that just happened. So um, I short hopped it. It was a little embarrassing. It's not the greatest uh, toss ever, but I did do that. But you didn't like 50 cent it where it went. I didn't 50 cent it. And they they actually did a second first pitch with a Victoria's Secret model who threw a far worse pitch than I, but got a much bigger applause. So there's no justice in any of it anyways. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So wait, you grew up in Massachusetts? Yeah, I grew up. Well, I grew up in, in Connecticut. Um, okay. and, and Massachusetts, you know, and okay. I, I went to college in mass and my extended family is all from mass. So Western mass and Southern Connecticut are my kind of where I've because I, I was trying to make the, the Massachusetts Yankee fan connection, but that makes sense. If you were, if you were, yeah, we, we kind of, in that part of the, in that corridor, yeah. You get both. And also, my I just it was my dad, whoever he rooted for. And my dad rooted, I now realize, for all the winning team. He, anybody who won, <laughs> he was he was uh, rooting for pretty much. There, there is a strange thing, like when you go on I-95 rest stops, how it changes from Red Sox gear, like yeah. from Yankee gear to Red Sox gear along yeah. your way. Yeah, for sure. Well, I like, I mean, uh, you know, when I've been to – see games at Fenway. I love the the family atmosphere there. I like the, the, you know, last time I went to see some at Yankee Stadium, someone dropped a cup of fruit punch on us from the upper deck. And I'm just like, mm. I don't need this crap. I like, it's not, that takes some of the fun out of it for me. I'm not, you know, I, I, I just want to enjoy myself. I don't want to be dealing with people hammered out of their minds and stuff. So do you have a favorite park? It sounds like you've been to a bunch. Um, yeah, I uh, 
Well, we went and saw the the Colorado Rockies when we were uh, on tour, and they they had like a one game playoff to get in a couple years back, a few years back, maybe five. And you know, I had a I had a lovely time there. I really I like where the White Sox play, but that's probably also because I get a bunch of free food and thing. Like you know, uh, I uh, of course Wrigley's special. You know, mm -hmm. I saw you know. I don't know. What's your favorite park? So I, I have like different uh, categories for parks. So like I, I love city field is like the newer parks, but nothing, nothing touches Fenway to me um, in terms yeah. of just like you walk and listen, Wrigley is amazing too, mm -hmm. for the same reason that I love Fenway. Um, it's just, you walk in and you feel like you're in a museum. Like that's how I feel with Fenway. Um yeah. But you know, I haven't been to Petco. Uh, I think it's still Petco. That's yeah, San Diego. San Diego. Right? And I heard that that's like the nicest stadium. So I'm not really sure. I've been to like a bunch of stadiums. Uh, I might be biased when I say City Field, but it's also the newest. Um, so um, I love I love the newer constructs of the of the of the fields where they're all open and there's not a bad seat in the house. Yeah, but there is also something that I love about like Fenway, where all of a sudden there's a pole in your face and you can't see. Like I, I love that too. I, I like the character of all that stuff. I mean, um, that's right. Yeah, actually, Petco, we we were in the outfield for a private event I did this past uh, August, and and that was nice. That was a very nice place. But when you talk about the character of a pole in the face, I much prefer it. I think uh, it's a shame to see those things that's kind of gone out of sports. There's just the need to maximize profits. Is, it just looms too large to keep, to, to justify sort of the American pastime feeling of, of the old parks, I think. And so it's a, it's a bummer, you know? And, and I went to a concert at City Field this summer, saw Molly Crew and Def Leppard. And I mean, it, it was, it was a mess. You couldn't, you couldn't you had to wait in line for hours to get a hot dog it was like right. it was a real mess yeah i don't know but hopefully they have it better dialed in for games yeah i mean i know that you can do stuff on the apps i don't really think that helps i i kind of i think every stadium you have that unless you like you know smuggle stuff in like the old days with the movie theaters that was the best <laughs> I can remember seeing Almost Famous and sneaking a bottle of red wine and then just sitting in the back of the theater drinking wine and watching that. Long. I remember sneaking in beer to watch Grumpy Old Men. Like oh, that, that's great. See, that's a story you remember because that's not that's not a movie that you sneak beer into. Yeah, that's hilarious, John. It's like you want to get drunk and see Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau? Yeah, man. Let's oh, do it. Man. I um, love it. I love it. All right, let's let's circle back. Let's go full circle since we're we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, okay. Keep it up, kid is a great record. I'm not just saying that because because I'm on the on the call with you right now. Um, it is it is weighty in in like a good way. It's like mm -hmm. weighty and light at the same time. I'm assuming that you wrote that kind of during during the shit show that we had. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I guess you know. Discuss it a little bit, like the songwriting, and then I mean you're performing it now, so you know, talk to me about both. Yeah, I I just think like um, for my personal taste in music, I like things 
I, I, I favor, um, I like sad songs. I favor uh, songs that, that help. There's a cathartic element to listening to, you know, music that has like a melancholy. I've always kind of loved the Americana vibe for that reason. Um, and so writing a lot of these songs, it helped my own head, you know, through, uh, what we just kind of endured and, you know, and just, and just realizing how uncertain so many things were, it was a wild thing to be like, we can't get toilet paper for a minute. Whoa. I didn't even think that was possible, but it was. So going through that and writing some songs, um, kind of the heavier they are, probably the more helpful they are. And, and, uh, but I, with one song in particular, if anyone is listening, you know, there's lines, the truth is I'm barely getting by and there's some heavy lines in there. And a lot of people wrote me and said, are you, are you okay? And, hmm. and I get it, but yeah, I was totally okay because I wrote those songs. Um, and then there's, oh, you know, we, I always put some bangers on the record that are uplifting because I, 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 I think that that's sort of the, you want to celebrate, uh, you know, perseverance and that's kind of what, so I put a balance of there, but I, at this point I'm 46, I just don't have any interest in making like fluffy, catchy music. There's, I, I want it to be catchy, but it's like, there's, there's so much good fluffy stuff out there and that's not what I do. So at this point, I just, I want to sing about the meat, the real stuff that's going on, you know? So. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think we all kind of have like a form of PTSD from that period of time, yeah. uh, you know? So I think, you know, this in a way that, that your record or, or any, you know, any, anything that's real, at least for me helps, even if it, even if it is kind of talking about hurt, you know, it, it does help. Yeah. Um, that's the hope. I don't want everybody to leave depressed in the reverse. I want them to leave the show being like feeling understood Right. Um, and I, one of the other things I started doing during in the last few years is some stand up, you know. So a lot of the show is like heavy songs broken up by a palate cleanse of humor, you know. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, you also wrote a book. You wrote uh, Objects in the Mirror. Um, are you, do you have any plans on writing another? Yeah, I'm working on a. I'm co-authoring a novel which I did not want to do and that you as a fellow author this is a crazy job writing books oh my god it's hard it's hard work but we're on the fourth draft of a, of a novel uh probably be my first and last novel that i'll do but uh i think that um that it should be done this year and and uh i think that we will have an opportunity to publish it so it's called the set list and and it's a story of a middle-aged troubadour whose life didn't go exactly as he thought uh and he meets up with a young up-and-coming TikTok star she's she's uh, it's her first tour and it's kind of uh what what ensues when the two of them get together out on the road you know it's a it's a bit of, it's a trope but i think it's a fun a fun book and who are you co-writing it with her name is allison hammer she's uh she's the author of a few books uh that are, and she had reached out to me and I had told her, no, I don't want to write a 
novel. And then Sharice said again, I said, no, I really don't want to write a novel. <laughs> and then it, and then we started doing it. And as happens, you fall in love with the characters. You know, you, you start feeling them and you feel their lives. And the thing I didn't, that I underestimated about a novel is there's a dirt can say things that you feel that you can't do in a nonfiction. You know, it's like you're allowed to get away with a few things and express some experiences and viewpoints through the eyes of others, you know, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited to share it with people, but there's still, we're, we've got a bit of a good bit of editing and then, you know, got to get the notes from the publisher and all this rest of the stuff. So probably, oh, probably late next year, maybe. Those notes are fun. Yeah. <laughs> when you get those notes. Um, They're like, you could have mentioned this earlier. It would have saved me a tremendous amount of work and effort, but thank you for your feedback. Anyway, man, thank you for doing this. I yeah, thanks it. for the chat. It's a great way to start the day. Thanks, yeah. brother. I appreciate yeah, you as always. Yeah, you too, John. Keep 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 it up, kid, and uh, let me know. Hopefully I'll see you out there one of these days, man, and uh, just stay in touch. It's good to see you as always. Yeah. Likewise, man. I'll see awesome, you. Awesome, dude. See All you right, soon. Man. Be good, Bye. man.